Nervous Habits Bonus Content. Oh, looks good. Nice. Uh, thanks. Um, can you guys hear me? Okay? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Welcome to Nervous Habits Bonus Content. Uh, it's a little weird with the cameras on. <laughs> this is the ninth bonus episode. I'm not used to being watched when I when I say this. This is if, if you're new to the pod, the uh, bonus episodes are a chance to speak with me and and friends in an unscripted, unedited, unfiltered. Uh, manner, you know, talk about issues and topics that we don't get the chance to explore during the regular episodes. And joining me now are my dear friends, Adam Michael Rabinowitz and Ian James Crowther. Gentlemen, welcome to Nervous Habits bonus content. Thanks. It's good to be back. I think episode number three for me. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Likewise. This is your third episode. Not, I thought you meant you were the Yeah, third. not my oh, okay. third episode. It's been third like episode. episode number three. Wow. That's really... <laughs> Like, yeah. One of the originals. Um, and Ian, yeah, so Adam was back in uh, episode 12 and I think bonus episode four or five. And Ian, Ian, it's been since episode 15. You, it's been a long hiatus for you. Yeah, I've been on a hiatus for a while, you know. Been, uh, you know, working on my my podcast voice a little bit. So hopefully, you know. Sitting by the phone waiting the for The viewers will enjoy this. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I would never do this during a regular episode, but since it's the bonus episode, I actually, I haven't had any time to eat. So as you guys will see, not you guys at home, but but these two gentlemen. I have my delicious turkey meatloaf with uh, some lemon broccoli and some whole wheat bread. Ian, I think you saw me make this concoction when I worked in uh, when I lived in New York, right? Yeah, it was definitely a staple. Definitely a staple meal. Um, pretty easy to make, right? Wow. Good enough. Tastes good enough. Gets the job done. It's pretty good. I don't know if if, if you guys want to uh, want to heat up some leftovers, have it with me over here. Uh, all, all good to state. I, I needed to be fully uh, ready to go for the podcast. So. It's funny. Yeah, I, li- I lived with both of you guys. But when I lived with Adam in college, I didn't know how to cook. So it was pretty much just like frozen food and whatever I got from campus. And then when I lived with Ian, that's when that's when I uh, my culinary skills blossomed. And, and now I have these like this gourmet looking pile of meat. Well, I think that's like a far cry from the like near daily like rotation of chicken fingers, chicken sandwiches, <laughs> cheeseburgers, and French fries that we had at like ten o'clock every night. You guys ever think about how crazy it is that we that we ate like absolute like shit when we were eighteen, nineteen, <laughs> and now you you literally have like a burger and you feel like guilty for the rest of the week. Yeah, I'm just getting like heartburn thinking about like what I ate in college. Yeah, I, I was just reflecting. Yeah, it's like how much your culinary tastes evolve and like how much you're willing to tolerate. Like think about like the buffets that are like all you can eat dining hall. And then literally, I think, yeah, we ate junk food every single night for like years. We would get we would just get like burger. Uh, it was called the Asian chicken wrap or quesadilla literally like every night. And that was our di- I don't think we ate any vegetables in college. Um. And well, pizza is right. Isn't pizza technically a vegetable? It has enough tomato sauce on it. So, <laughs> um, and you'll also see right now I'm drinking a coffee, which we're recording this at eight thirty, so that's not surprising. But it's a Starbucks coffee, and you guys might know, but Starbucks it just it, it, it hits different, as the kids say. It actually like when I, when I drink this, I get palpitations. So. I'm going to be extra, extra jittery today. Well, you got to be uh, firing at all cylinders for the for the podcast here. Yeah. Well, now you're really getting into the, that's like a mindset from way back when, coffee you know, at like 845 and beyond. It's funny because I've been um, writing papers for law school 
and it just takes me back to <laughs> to like college how adam and i would would literally like sit in the library until it closed at two and then go to the study center until like 6 a.m like doing our paper the, the morning that it was due and that's uh, yeah i'm i'm glad to be like done with those times and then i did it for like two years after that so um yeah, I don't think I can do that anymore. I mean, I could probably drink coffee whenever and still be able to go to sleep, just like old habits die hard. But I don't know if I could pull the three to five hours a night anymore. Mm. It's funny, though, because um, I, that, that's been my routine. Like the last – so we're recording this in mid-October. The last, like, couple days, I would say since Friday, I've been up until, like, 5 a.m. every morning doing work and then just waking up at 8 a.m. I don't even need an alarm just because I'm so sleep-deprived. I don't know if, if you guys have experienced this. I'm so sleep-deprived that when my bo- like when I go down to, to, to go to sleep, my body is in such fear of the alarm that I always wake up, like, three hours later. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't need yeah. the roving alarm anymore, that, like, that yeah. clocky device. <laughs> I feel like one day your body's just gonna like let us guard down though, and you're just gonna like <laughs> you're gonna be like knocked out. You're gonna like wake up at like 8 p.m. at night or something and be like, what happened? It'll be during like a critical moment. Like I'll be out on yeah. like the highway, like trying to make a plane. Um, so let's do it. I'll do a check in with you guys, like I do with my uh, my students in in law school. If you were a weather, if you guys were a weather pattern, what weather pattern would you be this week based on the happenings? Ian, what do you think? What weather fits your your mood and, and your life right now? Uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm partly cloudy, you know, maybe a little bit chilly, not not that warm out, but you know, like a nice nice fall day. You're a nice fall day. I'm a nice, nice fall day. Uh, I, I had a couple of days off. I don't know, you know, just kind of enjoying the fall weather. So that's like the most optimistic weather pattern that you can expect <laughs> given the 2020. What about you, Adam? Uh, yeah, probably also like partly cloudy um i don't know it's been a pretty chill week nothing really significant to be perfectly honest with you very calm what about like the the state of the world like we're (laughs) you got we're in like a a life-threatening pandemic like like the entire like every great baseball player that we've ever known has passed away in the last couple months i mean tragedy is all around us not to not to like you know change you look at my routine in micro than like, like divorce from everything going on in the world. It's probably like a fairly calm, partly cloudy day, not like bright blue, sunny, but yeah, things are as good as they can be. I feel like I'd probably go uh, overcast. Like Ian, when we play MLB the show and we have to pick like the weather for the, uh, <laughs> for the um, field and it's always overcast, like just no sun, um, maybe even like mist or fog. Um, so it's been, it's been rough. Um, it's actually kind of crazy. If you guys think retrospectively, 2020 i mean there's so much has been said about it it's almost like like a joke at this point but just how much has happened this year you know like like in i mean even outside of the pandemic and outside of politics like i mentioned just a moment ago how many people have passed away you know like literally a couple days ago van halen died yeah no it really has been i i think you know a lot of it too is just i feel like we're kind of uh you're just constantly getting news alerts now whenever somebody passes away. And I think that we've reached such a a high number of people who are famous that it's just like they're anybody who is, you know, somebody who's a large figure in the, you know, the seventies, sixties, eighties, like they're reaching that age now. And yeah, I feel like we're just constantly bombarded with, you know, all of a sudden you get a news alert on your phone. It's like, so-and-so has passed away. It's been, I mean, especially this year, but 
you know, each of these deaths individually, like have, you know, these figures carry some significance, but when it's rolled up with all these other factors going on in the world, like the impact of one particular like tragedy, I feel like is diluted, which just is to speak about the state of things. Like in some cases, what would be like earth shattering now is just run of the mill. It's like Stalin's Stalin's quote, like the death of a million people's, uh, the death of one person is a tragedy. The death of a million is a statistic. It's like, I think what you're trying to say is like, if, if Tom Seaver died, um, you know, and that was the only thing that happened in a month, it would be like an extreme loss, which it is. But now you have Tom Seaver dies and then Bob Gibson dies and then Whitey Ford dies. It's just like, who's next? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's, and, and are all these things COVID related? Like Ian, to your point, is it like, it's like we've reached um, just like a, a tipping point where everyone from that generation is just going to start to, to, to like dwindle away or, or is it, I don't know. It seems like a coincidence. I don't know. I don't think any of them have been COVID attributed. I, I think Tom it's Seaver just, was. Oh, Tom. Seaver. Like not, not, he wasn't the main. I think like the thing is if you're like terminally ill and then you get COVID, it might not necessarily be the reason. Right. But it like this contributing factor, I feel like. It's also like the causes of death are not always like, um, uh, like shared. So it could very well be that they've passed away, but you know, they, the family doesn't want to say that it's COVID related. Um, or like you're saying, Ian, it might've been like complications and I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's bleak. It's really bleak. And I don't like, you know, there's so much conflicting literature out there. We've talked about it on, on this pod a number of times, but, um, about the state of, uh, COVID about a potential second wave with flu season. I read something today that someone's been re- reinfected. I don't know if you guys saw that. I think there have been intermittent reports about, individuals being reinfected uh, flies in the face of certain people who claim like they're immune upon receiving COVID. But um, yeah, I, I think there have been all over the world, like some reports of within a couple of months, someone being reinfected. So the immunity is very short term. I mean, and there's still a lot to learn about the virus. I mean, you know, a lot of people are putting their hopes on a vaccine, but the vaccines won't be like a silver bullet. I mean, you know, there'll be, it's, it's like the flu, like vaccine, somewhat effective. You should get it, but it's not like a cure-all for, for it. So I feel like there are certain things that, you know, certain protocols from COVID that we're just going to like incorporate into our daily lives. Mm, That's true. I mean, also a minute ago, we were talking about uh, all the losses of 2020. Some of the people died like pretty young. I mean, if you think about it, it was in January that Kobe Bryant passed away. I remember getting that news. And then Chadwick Boseman passed away pretty recently. He played uh, Black Panther. And, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, it's just we're we're so engulfed in tragedy. And Ian's sitting here on a partly cloudy day. Like, no, no, I was just going to say, now it's like the clouds are moving in, you know? Like, yeah, you're the it's rain like clouds in the distance and they're starting to circle. It's like that uh, that canoe trip we were on, you know, seeing the, oh my <laughs> seeing the thunderstorms out in the distance, you know, just I don't slowly know. make your way in this sense of impending doom. I don't even know if I mentioned that because generally with the, uh, with the podcast, like, I record the episode so far in advance that I haven't done you know, it's October now. I haven't done like a fresh episode in the last like month or two, but yeah, we went on a, a canoeing trip. I had never ridden a canoe before. I don't know if, if, if um, anyone listening has, but me and our mutual friend, Dennis, and it was what, like 30 or 40 miles. It was something insane. 
And then we were like in the middle of, of this lake on the Adirondacks and there were a couple drops of, of rain and we're like, oh, you know, we'll just ignore it, whatever. Next thing we know, literally torrential downpour, lightning and thunder. And we end up having to, um, having to like, like seek like immediate, uh, you know, land on, on the first shore that we saw. And then we were like holding our tent over our heads and all of our clothes were soaked. It was pretty pretty incredible and then i actually think i got sick because i was sleeping on my my uh, my wet clothes because my clothes were soaked i didn't have any dry clothes so i was sleeping on like a wet sweatshirt rolled up into a pillow adam you really missed out on that trip wow yeah no i'm i'm ruining the, <laughs> the like lost opportunity to sleep on wet clothes in a thunderstorm in the middle of the um, upstate new york but uh you know it, it gives you resilience uh, I guess, right? Like, and a good story to tell. Well, I don't know. I mean, people, you know, people are saying that, you know, they can't wait for this year to be over. It just, you wonder if, if next year is going to be any, uh, any different. I mean, obviously like, like the ramifications of, you know, what happens with the election, even if best case scenario, we have a new administration, the pandemic's not like going anywhere. You yeah. know what I mean? And I mean, we, we could talk all about like how the administration could have or should have responded or whatever, but it's like at the end of the day, it's still going to suck and it's probably going to suck for a while. Yeah. It's kind of like a, an interesting question for both of you is if you were to compare 2020 to a year prior, is there a historical comparison or is this a year unlike any other one that's like so shaken the world to its core? Probably like World War II, I would imagine, like, you know, 1941, maybe. If you have, like, literally the world engaged in warfare. But I don't know if there's another year that's, like, so consequential for the world writ okay, large. Well, uh, Ian, you're the history buff. I'll, I'll give you the first the first. I think, is it, uh, again, this is just showing, you know, how, how young you are. I feel like 1967 now, right? I mean, wasn't that, you know, lots of protests. Um, there's a big election that year. Uh, I think there's also the the Hong Kong flu, which is going around. Um, I think that's the most comparable year. I feel like we're kind of at the crossroads, like politically. Um, I think this pandemic's larger than you know that, but I feel like overall, I kind of that's that's kind of the the sense I get. But again, I, <laughs> I was born in 1991, so you know, I, there's nothing really I can baseline it yeah. to. But I think historically, I feel like that's here's the issue. With 67 and also Adam mentioned 41 or 45 is those were very like regionally confined periods of turmoil. Like what's unique about even during like 1929, like, like the, the depression, the stock market crash really only affect the Western world. And you think about the pandemic and how it's, you know, decimated <clears throat> like industries. It's not confined to just one area. It's like the entire world has been affected in some way or another. I, I honestly don't think. I, again, you know, with my 28 years of experience and all that, I just, I can't see any other period, at least in modern history. I mean, we can go back to like the Black Plague, right? Like, what was that? Like mid 1500s? 13, I thought 1300s or 1400s. Yes, 13, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm saying like, like we could go back to that, but it's really, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it, you ever just, just think about, you ever just walking down the street and you think about like, it's so weird that everyone's wearing masks now. It's just, it's so, mm. it's, it's so crazy to me. Like if you were, I, I feel like people have said this so often, but it bears repeating. 
if a year ago I told you that you were watching the playoffs on TV and you would see no people in the stands, cardboard cutouts, and, pe- and people in the dugout wearing masks and not touching each other, like, like what the hell would you think was going on? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how desensitized everyone is to the idea of wearing a mask in such a short period of time. Like now for me, it's routine. You just like go pick it up and like wear it if you're walking outside. Like it'll be a habit to kick if anything else, you know, even after like a vaccine's widely distributed and generally it's okay to not wear a mask. Like there'll be that habit that people have to kick. Oh, like why am I not wearing my mask? And then you'll realize, oh no, I don't need to wear it anymore. Mm, it's so in crazy. Those situations. It's crazy too to think about like, and, and I talked about this, I think on a bonus episode with Stefanos, uh, or actually I think it was a regular episode like months ago, but I do think this is going to permanently change culture. Like, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine, like, I want you guys to think a year into the future. Can you imagine seeing a complete stranger saying, hi, I'm Adam Rabinowitz and shaking their hand? Or can you imagine like, you know, saying goodbye to someone Ian, and giving them a hug? Like, I just, I, I can't see that. I think that this is going to permanently alter how we look at strangers, maybe not like friends and family. Like there's, there's a, a, a circle, but I do think, this is going to change how we look at like, like, you know, people who we're not close to. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, changing just behaviors. I feel like just in general, like it's going to take a while to get that idea, you know, of just meeting, meeting strangers, you know, having conversations with people. Like, I feel like that's something now that just is like, seems so, so foreign, you know what I mean? Like we still talk to our friends or family, but like just having like, you know, a conversation with somebody on the street or like going out to a bar, you know, and just like talking to people, you know, it's not, that, that to me is like the most foreign thing right now that I can't imagine. I feel like we're all going to be so socially awkward. Well, like, I, depending on how long this keeps on going on, like, I don't know, just <laughs> yeah. like making small talk and stuff. I don't know. It just seems like it's going to be something that's, that everyone's going to have to get used to again. I mean, can you even imagine I, – I, small talk's one part of it, but can you imagine like being – you know, making the choice to, to be in a mosh pit at a concert or to be in a crowd at, you know, a football game. It's just like, I don't see people leaving aside, you know, folks in the deep South that believe that this is all a hoax and we'll, you know, we'll talk about them, but I don't see, how do I want to say this? I don't see people who believe in science um, engaging in that sort of behavior for a long time. Yeah. I mean, well, they're already t- like, you know, it, it calls into question. I think it was like, Fauci and CDC, like, you know, handshakes are probably going to be, why were we shaking people's hands anyway without washing them? You know, it's just like a prime transmission of germs. So might as well do away with that anyway. There'll be certain things that you just like take as stock now, like no more handshakes, like hand washing will be much more of a thing. Like, you know, use of hand sanitizer, like people will probably distance anyway. There'll be, you know, to your point, like, are you going to be come up close to someone? And then, you know, you always have that reticence probably built in, like, oh, that was too close. But then there are, like, yeah, certain sectors that you talk about, like the music, theater, industry, like any places that require, like, massive concentrations of people. Like, yeah, you'll probably think twice, even if there is a vaccine. It's like, you know, you know, the deadly nature of COVID until we know more. It's hard to feel comfortable in those mass situations. I mean, and it also is like, transform the world of work. I mean, at least from, you know, at my current like place of work before COVID, it was like, no, everyone had to go into the office. There was real skepticism around the value of working remotely, but now it's like, oh, hey, people can be productive while remote. So let's have more flexibility for people working all over the place. Then you see like Google, Facebook, uh, a lot of the Slack, a lot of the big tech companies who are like, we're going to be remote at least until July. And Facebook, I think was like, 
we're not having an like everyone can work <laughs> remotely forever if they want to. Wait, so they really said that? Uh, I don't want to go on record. But yeah. Like I'm like ninety percent sure. Spreading like, was, like yeah. I want to say it was like some. Was it like maybe it was Twitter? Travel? I don't remember. Twitter. I think it was Twitter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was okay. Still but, add a cat like asterisk. I I don't have that information in front of me. That's like. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, yeah. it's the same thing with school too. It's like, it calls into question. And, and this is something we've talked about too, is like, what's the, what's the value of in-person interactions in, in like a professional setting? I mean, for work, as, as you're alluding to, if you can just do everything on a computer at home, that's an option. But then for school, like what I'm dealing with, if I have these, I can show you guys on camera. Um, you guys can't see anything at home, but like I have these textbooks and I have my laptop and I can do instruction with my professor's on zoom like what's the point like what's the value for these graduate institutions to be like allowing us into their facilities well i think the key is like in-person interaction is really the i mean there is value i feel like at least in a school setting maybe less in a work setting although i would argue like in my current place of work i've been remote fully just given like the pandemic hit just as i switched jobs professionally so it's like i've built relationships with colleagues over seven months but haven't met them once during the interview process so like there is like a certain degree of like relationship and connection i feel like you can't get remotely or the ability to just have camaraderie and like bond over like drinks after work or dinner or something like or you know coffee it's just like these little minute interactions and just like the idea of like working from an office it allows you to have that like clear delineation between work and home right so that line blurs if you're at home doing work i mean for school, I think it's, you know, there are a lot of benefits to in-person instruction over online. There's a limit as to the level of like engagement that you can have. Um, and you're more likely to be distracted. I mean, I you're the one dealing with, Ricky, this like remote learning world. So you would know better than I, but um, yeah. I mean, I think it, it might be harder for a student as opposed to, uh, that's it. <laughs> no, I just made the unilateral decision to, to turn off our videos just, just to see what impact that has on the conversation as we're, as we're continuing to chat. Well, listen, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting um, what, what you just said about like how the in-person interactions uh, are, are like where the value lies. I, I think that when a couple of years ago, when someone said they were working from home, that was like a novel thing, like like it was, it was something unique, you know, they're, oh, they're not going to be in the office. They're, they're going to be home. And, and it was almost like a vacation, but now think about the inverse where it's like, someone says, instead of I'm working from home, someone says I'm working from the office and that almost becomes a vacation. So it's like, we flipped standards on their head. Um, but let me, okay. Let me, let me give a hypothetical to you guys. All right. So we've talked about how 2020 is, has been really shitty so far and we don't know what's going to happen um, with the election. Let me let me ask you a question. Let's say that you were Satan, and let's say you were a dark, evil, twisted person, and you and you controlled the fate of the universe. How? What sort of? What else could go wrong in 2020? What? Um. What would you do? What could you do to make our situation worse? Is there anything that can be done, or is this rock bottom? I mean, like, obviously there are certain things that can make it like infinitely worse, but I'm just thinking of like small, like, I don't know if, you know, somehow like there's an accidental like nuclear weapons launch and, you know, we just bomb each other out of existence or, you know, there's something that like, caused like fam 
like worldwide famine because you know like the sun was blocked out by a super volcano or something like okay the exception is no nuclear attack and 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 you can't like render the human race extinct um yeah i mean i was gonna say probably i mean there is that very real prospect of nuclear war potentially i mean you know with iran and north korea and whatnot so that i mean you know who knows i mean it's not far out of reason i mean in terms of like other consequential things that can happen this year i don't think anything can top like the earth-shattering nature of the pandemic i mean at least in the united states i would say like the election might have like be the cherry on top to a crazy year regardless of who wins there's going to be huge you know blowback division chaos tumult you know potentially for the first time like in modern american history no peaceful transition to power i mean that's something that is pretty crazy to wrap your head around so i don't know i think we're still in for like electorally like a wild ride nuke i mean bigger things than that i'm not sure like there is always a specter of nuclear war will we actually be in like will north korea and iran move on that probably not i can't imagine anything else that would like approach that scope though i got one i think would be oh go ahead uh, Oh, as I said, that'd be interesting. Um, and I feel like this is something, you know, that could be plausible and isn't obviously as, you know, impactful as, you know, mass mass death. But I don't know if you ever heard of solar flares and the, uh, the Carrington event. No. So I guess in 1859, there was like a massive solar flare from the sun. I guess it's pretty natural for the sun, you know, every you know couple of months or every year to have these solar flares. But essentially what happened in 1859 is that it would have, it creates like this giant geomagnetic storm within Earth. So if we had it happen in modern society, it would effectively like knock out all of our electronics and we'd be like thrown back into, you know, the industrial age, I guess we'd still be able to use like steam power and like gas power and, and, you know, things to generate that, but essentially it would like destroy all of our satellites, um, you know, all of our telecommunication systems. I feel like that's something that'd be kind of crazy and that like mm-hmm. truly bring us back to like the plague era. It's funny. Okay. So, so I, I had one thing in mind, but on the last thing that you just said, do you guys know that the president technically has, has a, a kill switch for the internet? I just learned that this week. So here's here's one scenario that would be the worst thing. Trump would get reelected and he pushed the kill switch and we wouldn't have the internet anymore. And we'd be stuck inside. Think about think about it. We'd be stuck inside trying to go on Zoom to work and go to school and we couldn't do it. And we're relying on technology to keep the hamster of society running on its wheel and we couldn't do that because the internet was down. I mean that's exactly what Ian said. We'd be back in like like prehistoric or whatever, pre-modern society. That would be wild. Here's another one. The COVID virus mutates and it becomes even more like dangerous and has a higher fatality rate. And you know how Trump right now has a rally in Ohio and Iowa and he's been a super spreader. The virus spreads throughout all of society. We're not talking about 200,000 cases. We're talking about 200 million cases. So how's that for worse? Actually, that's you bring up an interesting point. I mean, people are focusing on COVID now, but like there is that very real prospect that like the virus will mutate into something worse. Although I've read research that shows like as the virus with increasing exposure, like the severity and seriousness of it actually declines, at least on like the impact on a particular individual. 
So there's hope for that. But I mean, there's always the prospect of mutations if we can't get it under control. You know, there's a different flu strand every year. So if we had different coronavirus strands, we get out of one pandemic and enter another. That's even more deadly. I mean, that's really frightening to to consider. I didn't know that there was a kill switch for the internet. I mean, what would be the use case for that? Like someone who wants to cement their grip on power? Is it if we have like a massive cyber crime? Like what is the... What's the scenario where you would be able to like strike an entire telecommunications network? Ian, is you have you heard of this? I feel like you've heard of it. I didn't realize that it was in the U.S. I mean, I know other countries have definitely used it um, against their citizens. You know, yeah, like to, in China, especially during. Yeah, yeah, right. I think um, I want to say maybe it was. I mean, I feel like Iran's definitely used it. I didn't realize that it was something that the American president had the power to do, though. There was an article, uh, I, I don't, the thing is I'm on Twitter, as, as you guys know, um, at, I think it's Ricky R513 or Ricky R13. I just follow nervous habits. Anyways, so there was a couple articles on it. I forgot what came up. I think it had to do with Trump complaining about Twitter censoring him in the section 230 debates. And someone wrote about how the president through his like essentially unlimited war powers um, in a state of emergency can shut down wired communications um, if there's the threat of war. And this was also, you know, when Trump had that thing with Tic Tac and uh, Tic Tac, is that what it's called? Tic Tac? Tic Tac. <laughs> I'm showing my age. I mean, I don't, I don't use it. You guys use Tic Tac? No, I know. Like literally I just know of it. I don't, I don't feel like he's addicted it. to it. I, I only use toe, but. You only use what? Toe. What is toe? Never mind. Um, <laughs> so because I've never heard a of a joke. It was a bad joke. It was a bad joke. Uh, yeah. So because of TikTok and WeChat, Trump, someone was like, Trump could just shut down the internet. I didn't know that either. That's wild to think about. But then it also raised, yeah, it also raises the question because we just mentioned the the TikTok thing and and the the WeChat. Like, is that should we be worried about that? Is that part of like the worst case, you know, scenario for society that they're going to shut down TikTok and and then that's like worse than you know worse than the COVID mutations. <laughs> I'm sure for some like members of Gen Z, probably. It's probably like, uh, <laughs> like if you ever saw the good place, like like their version of the bad place is no TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> what else um, are they gonna do when they're bored in the house? But uh, yeah, but actually, I, I have to finish it, um, Adam. So I know, I know we have to talk about it because yeah, that that's a uh, like fodder for a podcast episode. That's a, I feel like fodder. Wow, uh, beautiful. No, because Adam and I like like we watch the same show. He, he got me hooked on the Good Place, and uh, we gotta. I, I mean, I haven't had time to watch, but so all right. So you mentioned peaceful transfer of power, and you guys were like, well, you know that that could be rough this year. It, do, do you ever think about like how crazy it is? Like there is no constitutional mechanism that would force the president to leave. Like if, if Trump decided that, you know, oh, let's say Biden wins and Trump's just like, oh, you know what? Eh, I don't really feel like leaving. What, what the hell would we do? Do either of you have a question for that? Because I have no freaking idea. Even. Yeah. What do you think? Wouldn't he be impeached? Or isn't that a possibility that the impeached. Senate could vote him out? First of all, the, with the Republicans in um, having the Senate majority, no. But second of all, again, like I'm saying, if he won't leave, like the law says you have to leave. And he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so you're that. saying like, even if every single safeguard was in place, I mean, you know, if Trump disputes the results then you have the electors come to Congress and vote, I mean, the Democrats could flip the Senate. So even if we have a Republican Senate now, if 
in January that changes, then you have a whole new Congress and then you can wield that majority. I, I mean, it also comes down to, you know, like the fantasies of a lot of people on Twitter. It's like, you know, Trump being escorted out by the military. I mean, is there like literally a, upri- you know, is there literally like an internal? No, but, but okay. But here's the problem with the military is, um, or um, the problem with this scenario is they work for him. Like the, 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 the joint chiefs, um, the heads yeah. of, of the army, they all report to the commander in chief. And Trump is technically the commander in chief until January. So if he loses the election in November and Ian, to your point, all of the procedures, you know, maybe even some brave Republicans decide to speak out and say, Hey, Mr. President, you got to leave. If he just says no, like, I, I legitimately don't know. Like, is there going to be an uprising? Like, well, is- I think, Oh, I mean, I think, you know, you would, I think, I understand the chain of command, but I think some military leaders would realize like the illegitimacy, so to speak, of the commander in chief subvert, like risk treason basically and escort him out. And then if you have a popular majority who, and, you know, even outside of like the 30% of, or 35% of America, that's like Trump all the way, you know, where you have the four year, more years, eight more years, 12 more years. I mean, but if you have like, a serious majority coupled with the military that's willing to buck the idea that he's a legitimate commander in chief. I mean, it is a Herculean task to then have Biden unite the nation together. I mean, you know, even if Biden, uh, you know, and this is all pending, he wins, but if he were to transition, I mean, you're going to have some serious chaos. And I feel like a heightened sense of security among an administration, you know, who knows, Trump would use Twitter to, like, empower his followers to say, oh, Biden's illegitimate, like, all right, guys, attack, like, you know, raise uh, absolute mayhem in every city and town and community. Oh, my gosh. And and I'm going to bring in Ian in a moment. I feel like a radio host. But before I do, I have to, like, let people listening know that, obviously, the pod is is pretty apolitical. You know, we try not to endorse candidates and whatnot. But the bonus episodes, my friends, you do get, you know, to, to sneak behind the Iron Curtain a little bit. Right. So, <laughs> so you will hear from myself and, and my buddies here, some, some, you know, potentially strong opinions. Um, so hopefully, you know, we're, you don't get, you know, remember this isn't personal. I, I don't know. You guys know what I'm trying to say, right? Ian. To yeah. You. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, I feel like for to that extent, like I feel like there's been so many people who have already spoken out against any idea of there not being, you know, a transition of power, a peaceful transition of power. I feel like he'd be extremely isolated, like besides his like most fervent supporters, right? Like there's been, I mean, I know like Mitch McConnell has come out and said like it, we would have a peaceful transition of power. I mean, the Supreme Court would go on that side as well. Like I just don't really see there being like this, you know, massive push to, you know, keep somebody in power that, they would go against the the democratic ideals, but again, I'm I'm, I'm just being optimistic. But okay, but I think happened? there's definitely going to be a lot of what happens then. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let you finish your thought. Too much. Good oh, no, 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 go ahead. I would say like like okay, what happens if they contest the results of the election though? You're assuming when you say that Mitch McConnell or whoever is going to be like, all right, let's follow the rules. What if Trump says this wasn't a fair election? The Democrats, you know, it was a hoax, and then he just, do you know what I'm saying? Like then you, it's not a question of peaceful transition of power. It's a question of like, was this a good election or do we have to do it again? Well, I think it would have to be the election had to be extremely close to to have any legitimacy behind that argument, right? Like it would it would have to be a situation where, you know, like in two thousand with Florida, 
you know, where we, there's, you know, one deciding state that has an extremely close vote count. Otherwise, I just don't see how, you, you know, that argument can really stick. Like I can see, you know, again, supporters supporting that, um, supporting that argument. But, you know, if it's the type of situation where, you know, the electoral college goes, you know, he gets above 300 votes. If Biden gets above 300 votes in electoral college, I don't see really how you can say the election is being stolen at that point when it's, when it's overwhelmingly, you know, in his favor. So I think that's really what it relies on, right? For that to be that very close, like one state is the deciding state. I think then I think you would have an issue. I feel like there's, because then that becomes a much more compelling argument, I guess you could make. You're assuming that these are rational people, and and I, you know, I don't want I don't want to offend anyone, but like what you know, these are people that deny objective reality, that believe in alternative facts. Like, what stops them from just you know, let's let's role play a little bit, Ian. You you play you play the 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 courts announcing the results of the election. I'll I'll play the Trump supporter. All right, go ahead. I mean, okay, so let's I, just say, Ian, you play the court, you Adam, Adam. You play Adam. You play the Democrat. I'll I'll, I'll play I'll play the Trump supporter. Go ahead. Okay, so, you know, after the meeting in Electoral College, it's been voted upon that, you know, what is it? I'll just make up a, a fake number. Um, 530. It's 538, so 303 to, to 220 or 235. Well, I, I think the, the electoral count speaks for itself. We've gone through the process. Uh, the president is uh, should depart by January 20th and we'll be uh, inaugurating our new president, uh, President Biden. I mean, the, number, the electoral process has spoken and the people have spoken and we have to hear what the majority has to say. No, that's fake news. That's, that's not, that's, those weren't the election results. I don't believe you. That's, that's not true. That's fake news. Well, we have the, all the poll numbers are in. The evidence is indisputable across Democratic and Republican states. Everything has been counted. There's simply no way to say otherwise. Yeah, what are your sources? That, that's the swamp. That's the mainstream, the establishment that's giving out those numbers. I want to see alternative numbers. All right, well, it's not just the New York Times, Washington Post, and what you consider to be your fake news media outlets. I mean, all publications have come together and spokespersons from both sides of the aisle from across the spectrum have said it's time for President Trump to, to leave and go off in the sunset. You know, it was a fixed election. This wasn't this wasn't a fair election. This wasn't due process. All of a sudden, this is morphing into a Trump impersonation. <laughs> this wasn't this wasn't due process. I, I I refuse to concede. I'm not I'm not conceding. I'm the margins be- are more than what a recount would dictate. <laughs> but you guys see how like yeah, I know you can just deflect, deflect, deflect. Yeah, that's gonna be some certain people's mentality um, if that is the case. But again, I, it I was think a landslide. It's much more likely yeah. if it's yeah, if it's a landslide. I really don't see there being um, any type of fallout from it. But I think if there is really kind of that one deciding state, then I think you're going to have, you know, a serious fight both in the courts and, you know, just general discord in the, in the U S it's funny, you know, because from what I've read and, and, you know, obviously the caveat of like polls, yada, yada, 2016, but from what I've read, people are saying that this has the potential to be the greatest landslide that we've seen in like, you know, modern history, like in terms of the popular vote and, and less so, but still so the electoral vote. Um, so that might be the situation that we're in, 
but I don't know, like generally, I mean, you guys aren't necessarily experts, no offense. Not, not, I mean, I'm not an expert either. <laughs> I just mean like in terms of polls and stuff, but like, what's your, what's your thought on it as of now as two well-educated young men? I don't think it's going to be a landslide. Actually, I'm, I'm going to pull up, you know, the, the 270 to win map right now. And, and I'll tell you based on my guesses. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not going to be a landslide. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a landslide, um, which unfortunately I feel like is the only path where Biden won't, wouldn't experience like any pushback, where it's so indisputable, where it's like there's no recourse. Uh, I mean, Trump can have his echo chamber and say it was fixed, rigged mail-in ballots, et cetera, et cetera. But like enough of a margin where there's like a mandate where most of the country can rally and Republicans can rally around. Yep, okay, uh, President Trump is uh, voted out. But, you know, I... What I think is going to be problematic is the map right now, it looks like Trump's path to 270 narrows and narrows by the day. So Biden could very well win, but the margins will still be close enough where I feel like recounts will be triggered in various states, not various, a handful of states. And then, yeah, it's going to go up. You know, there'll be electoral challenges. It'll go up to the Supreme Court. Amy Coney Barrett gets confirmed. I mean, she's... Oh, so she, I got to edit that out? <laughs> what? No, I just said, Ugh, and I got to edit it out. <laughs> that's, that's well, not there's no edits. There's no edits. So, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Look, okay, so I follow five, 538 on Twitter, and they have some really good content. So I'm going to send you guys in the chat. There's a snake map. I don't know if you've seen it. It's really I have it up already right now. Oh, you, you thief. Adam, you got to check it out. And they okay. have this map. It's really cool. And it essentially shows every state and whether or not it's blue or red. And the length of each segment on the snake corresponds to how many electoral votes. So like California is really long. Texas is really long. Um, and like Delaware and Rhode Island are short. And the ones close to the center are the ones that are like up for grabs, so to speak. Um, Florida, mm. Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona. The ones on the on the back really far away are pretty much set. Like Massachusetts is, is going red. Uh, West Virginia, Wyoming are going, or excuse me. Oh my gosh. Massachusetts is going blue. West Virginia, Wyoming is going red. So it's a nice visual representation. And from this map, you guys, all of the contested states, Ohio, Florida, um, Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, those are all blue right now. Yeah. Like yeah, my prediction right now is I have Biden 290, Trump 248. Are you going to Vegas? Like, like what? <laughs> Are you trying to uh, try to put some put some money on on red Russian roulette? Uh, yeah. Um. It's, uh, but it's but, amazing. Uh, Adam, are you looking at this map? The snake. I am. Yeah. It's. Uh, oh, it will go ahead. Sorry. This is the problem. No, I was gonna we say. Turn, we turn some, the cameras off. Some states that like you wouldn't even consider. You know, Arizona. Uh, well, Ohio hasn't gone to. I mean, it went to Trump like pretty handily but obama had an 08 but arizona ohio georgia which georgia like georgia today yeah. um and georgia's obviously elected a republican president pretty much like every uh term you guys can fact check me yeah and they it, it was announced today that biden had a pretty significant lead that quinnipiac put out a poll yeah. um so georgia is is looking to to go to uh the democrats but then you think about texas you guys and texas has been a conservative stronghold for a long, long time. And Texas right now is is pretty much like purple. It's like light red, purplish. Texas could go to Biden. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening. But Well, I think, you know, yes, he can go on offense in some of these states like Texas and Iowa. 
but I think there's more merit in trying to like preserve and protect, like, you know, get Wisconsin back, get Minnesota back, uh, or not, sorry, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and then like solidify some of these other potential pickups. Like if he can get Florida and then the Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania trio, like he pretty much has the margin to win. And then if you add all, in all these other States, it's pretty indisputable, but you know, and, and these, I should note, like, I believe this polling even accounts for like the margin of error that was there in 16. Like, even if like the polls, there was that disconnect that we saw in 2016 from polls to reality, like Biden would still be up, you know, over the 270 threshold. I mean, and, and it's it, on, on that note, it's interesting just to think about how many states that voted for uh, Trump in 2016, um, crucial states that that uh, that led to his victory. All, I think all of them look like they're going to go to Biden. Um, and, it you know, it, it begs the question, like what what changed for these people? I mean, because let's be honest, we all three of us knew in our own way that Trump was going to be a disaster in 2016. Um, we didn't think he would be this bad, but I mean, maybe you guys did, but it's like, what's changed for, for these people in Ohio and Florida that, that now they're like, Oh my God, maybe he wasn't the best candidate. I think a lot of it uh, you can point towards, I mean, just the response to, to COVID, right? I mean, I know a lot of these States have been hit fairly hard by COVID. Um, I think really just kind of the downplaying of the virus, but I, again, I can almost sometimes see how that might, I mean, to his base that kind of works in his favor to some extent. I know a lot of the, a lot of the arguments you see are that, you know, the Democrats are driving, you know, these lockdowns that are destroying our economy. I, I feel like that's been kind of what he's been pivoting towards. Um, but I think, I mean, if you're seeing in even like Georgia potentially going blue, um, I think at this point, Virginia is solidly blue. Pennsylvania, it's up in the air. I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, especially I'm looking at just Georgia and Florida. I mean, they've been hit pretty hard by, by COVID. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, could be a, a tipping point for Biden. Yeah, Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that Ian said. Uh, I mean, those states, yeah, and also just given the impact of COVID and the like inability to shake the pandemic, which, you know, single-handedly drags them down, and then coupled with the economic recession and this idea that the perception of Trump as like a person who would quash norms on the way to like shaking things up has only made things like infinitely worse in the eyes of enough demographics, suburban women, uh, seniors, uh, non-college educated white men, like Biden carves enough into those demographics to reverse whatever, like pick up some trends that Trump had. And seems like the, you know, the 2018 gains that we made in that the Democrats made in the house, uh, will hold. So yeah, I mean, there's a blue wave picking Biden up, but it's a question of like, is it enough to like quash the potential uproar over the you know, results? Yeah. I mean, the other factor here is, and, and Ian, you mentioned how he treated the, the virus. I, it's, it's just, it's so dangerous. The, just the reckless and wanton to use, to use some legal terminology conduct that he's exhibited. I mean, you look at his rally tonight in Iowa, how you have, Thousands of people, some of them are paid, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw, there's like Craigslist ads being posted, like seeking Trump actors or whatever. Um, you get bonus points if you wear a Trump shirt. 
But he tells them to come out to these events and they don't wear masks. There's no social distancing. And we know that this virus is real. Like we didn't make it up in our heads. So he's putting these people like at risk. You know what I mean? And then you, you look at like the super spreader thing where he apparently, I'm, I'm sure you guys read when he was diagnosed with COVID or when he had symptoms, he like went to some event and he like so, some guy's house and he like infected the whole state of Ohio. Like, like, what is that? I mean, there's a completely like, disregard. And you see that in these like swing of rallies when, you know, he had a moderate case of COVID and well, first it isn't revealed whether he tested negative, but um, yeah, uh, he's going to, essentially he's a super spreader, you know, when you like spit and scream and shout like, uh, you know, that just like his prime conditions for the spread of COVID. So it's like that complete lack of regard. I mean, he knows it's serious, but refuses, you know, he's only concerned about his political fortunes. And yeah, you know, those rallies you mentioned, like behind Trump, you see everyone with masks usually, but in the rest of the crowd, no one's wearing masks. Everyone's huddled together. Like it's all, he tries to show that they're respecting CDC guidelines, but the vast majority of people are not which is kind of crazy to, to think about that. There's like such a complete lack of regard in some cases for like, this is serious. And, you know, even the president getting it doesn't shake their concerns. You know, they were even able to trickle out that he experienced some severe, you know, negative health effects and that didn't even deter them. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the concern right there is that he, he gets COVID and you would think, Ian, that he would look at that and say, you know what, maybe I was, you know, he tells supporters, Maybe you should take this more seriously, especially because he's high risk. He's, you know, 74 years old and he's, he's obese and um, he's considered someone who would, you know, want to avoid it more than anyone. But he gets it. And then to Adam's point, he totally reframes it as like, oh, I mean, what was the tweet? It was like, I got COVID and I feel better now than I did 20 years ago. Like, first of all, scientifically inaccurate, but also um, like what sort of message are you sending to you know, uninformed, uneducated people that are following you for, for guidance when you're saying that the disease that ironically you didn't even think existed like earlier in the year, now you're saying it's a magical elixir that will make you feel 20 years younger. Like, like what the hell is that? Yeah, I mean, he's just doubling down at this point. I think yeah. if if he were to admit that, okay, like this is something that we need to take seriously, then all of the arguments that he's made previously just kind of, you know, fall flat and you can really kind of blame, you know, lack of a federal response lies on his doorstep. Yeah, and besides, I mean, yeah. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, besides, I mean, he's bringing up the fact of how he like banned um, travel from China initially. But Yeah, that was like the one act of like differentiation that he cites. But it's tough. I mean, the flip side was that Trump could have used that to his advantage and come out to be more empathetic and understanding and like right. kind of make those connections that, you know, Biden has that monopoly and just like generating those human interactions and like be able to speak directly to people. But Trump instead doubled down to Ian's point on like, oh, I better, I, I my only path that is to like ignore the pandemic and pretend it doesn't exist and or that it's overplayed by everyone, which, you know, that approach has not worked out. So at least the numbers bear it right now, but, um, you know, enough people are seeing through it. I mean, I don't know. Where were you guys at 1254 AM on October 2nd when Trump tweeted that he had COVID? Cause I feel like this, this is like a, a generation defining event. Like we're going to, our kids are going to be like, Oh, where were you when you found out, you know, that, that the president had COVID. Cause this is what that, I mean, I remember reading that was like the first major health threat to, um, a sitting president since 
Ronald Reagan was shot by uh, John Hinckley. Yeah. So, I mean, were you guys awake? I feel like both of you guys go to bed kind of early. Uh, no, I was asleep. Was I, was fast, I was fast asleep, but I woke oh up God. to a flurry of messages. And, and yeah, like you wake up, it's like Trump has COVID. And there were, I mean, look, obviously, like, like he's a human being. We wish him and uh, the first lady well. And um, their son, Baron, got it, apparently. So um, that, that was heartbreaking to see also. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he gets COVID. And then he's treated at the Walter Reed Medical Center. So he gets state-of-the-art socialized medicine. He's, he's getting treated with uh, Regeneron and all these experimental drugs. Um, and even if he's telling the truth that he does feel well, which I don't think he does, even if he's telling the truth, it's because he, he's one of nine people that gets access to this experimental treatment. It's not because the virus is moderate. Right. Well, yeah, that's the disconnect. Like, oh, everyone can access what I had. But then there are all these, like, circumstantial conditions and other treatments that he received that no or very few people would so it's like a false equivalence which but people don't you know they are able to write some people are able to just like square that somehow <laughs> like yeah he claims like oh everyone can or that what he god he makes some false promise like oh it'll be free for you soon but you know that's not going to be available to like 99.9 percent of people and then did you see there was like pictures released of Trump, like air quotes working, but it was really like a photo of him from days ago. And then there was like his signature on a blank piece of paper or something like, like was that. I, I knew that photo. That wasn't like his, uh, you know, they have like a presidential suite at Walter Reed. That was like, that was, that was wild when that, um, when that, and you know, it's also troubling just cause we're talking about the Walter Reed, um, treatment was then his, his personal physician comes out or I don't know if it was his physician or the Walter Reed head of medical staff. And he's just completely like, like dishonest and evasive when answering questions about the president's condition, which like they invoke HIPAA, but they don't understand the HIPAA applies to health insurance companies. Like that's just like, it makes no sense. But also um, he's just so uh, like, like, he sidestepped. I don't know if you guys saw that, the, the answering questions. Yeah. I mean, he like literally is the most evasive, uh, you know, frames it in the most evasive way possible, avoids like straight yes or no answers. Like when did he get a negative test, which still hasn't been determined, you know, when was he last tested negative? So you can gather and grasp how many people were infected. And then, you know, just all these other questions where they're unable to disclose his status like where they have a limited contact tracing operation where they're unwilling to acknowledge like the severity of the rose garden event which could have been a super spreader it's just the lack of transparency even though they claim there's an unprecedented amount of transparency and the fact of like you know all these senior government officials are racked by the pandemic which like that even is just kind of like it all glazes over you know the president had it but Basically, his entire senior staff also got it, but that's like kind of play second fiddle. Is that you, Adam, or is that Ian with the ambulance? Uh, that's me. Sorry. Are you good? Uh, background. Do we, we, we be concerned? We're talking about COVID. Is everything okay? <laughs> no, uh, everything's good. Just happened to hear that come by. Uh, but like Ian, I mean, like I don't. How, how can you have faith in doctors in general when you know they they say that Trump's the healthiest guy in the world and they. They're like, he's in great health. I mean, he literally held the, you know, held them at gunpoint so we can leave the hospital and then go into his car with the secret service to drive around in a circle. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I thought, I mean, that's, at this point, nothing really surprises me. Um, 
but yeah, that was something that, you know, I mean, it shows, you know, lack of, lack of respect for, for those who have, have passed away. And then on top of all of this, then he gets on Twitter, you guys. And I don't know if, if there was some like side effect of the drugs he was on, but he starts, he starts like, there was like 200 tweets on, on a day where he just goes space force vote pro-life vote, protecting existing conditions, vote, save our second amendment vote. And he, he types in all caps. Today is the last day and um, stock market up big fake polls. It's just like, I feel like all of the, the limited restraint that he's had in the last, um, you know, couple of years, I think it's all gone now. He even dropped an F-bomb. Have you guys heard about that on Rush Limbaugh's show? I, I think I did hear that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I think it's just, it's to me, it comes off as desperation. Yeah, I mean. It's like desperate for attention, desperate to, you know, stay relevant. It's the equivalent of someone flailing around, like throwing various things in the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, you know, he's just doubling down. I mean, I think Biden supporters like jumped on that in turn. Uh, like they were like vote for Joe Biden, you know, like in response to all of Trump's like one line, please. Uh, you know, he had the like just people kept bombarding him with responses to vote for Biden. So because uh, you know Biden oh, oh, yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. is supporting all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In response to Trump's tweets, but it's I mean, it, it's crazy because you think about like how little impulse control Trump has, which is um, a trait of malignant narcissists like he is. And um, it's actually impressive that he managed to go almost four years without launching a single F-bomb. But clearly, he must have been influenced by some sort of medication because he went on Rush Limbaugh's show and they were talking about Iran. And he said something like, uh, I'm going to, if they, you know, they better know not to fuck with us. Otherwise, I'm going to bomb the shit out of them. Yeah. I, I don't think there's ever been a United States president, if anyone listening wants to fact check, the United States president that's ever used an F-bomb in public. Yeah, I mean, that's just a shattering of norms. Yeah, I'm trying to think who it is. Uh, I kind of want to Google this. I kind of want to Google this. Has a president ever said the F word? I, mean, I feel like Nixon would be like the most likely to. <laughs> Trump, uh, Trump drops the F bomb. It's on Politico. Trump drops the top 16. Uh, I mean, LBJ apparently. It's uh, yeah. LBJ would too. Yeah, he seems like he kind of had a. Here we go. He had a hot head. Lincoln said, "Oh, this is funny. You guys are gonna enjoy this." Lincoln said, "There is nothing to make an Englishman shit quicker than the sight of General George Washington." Okay. Uh, <laughs> Obama said that Kanye West was a jackass. We knew about that. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, Biden said. Do you guys remember this? This is a big fucking deal when Obama signed the AC. Oh yeah. Oh, that, was, uh, that was like his most famous moment during that, that presidency. Uh, George W. Bush said Adam Clymer was a major league asshole. Bill Clinton said, I don't think I should take shit from anybody. Do you? Richard Nixon said, son of a bitch. That's not that bad. LBJ said, people said my life. Uh, LBJ said, I do know the difference between chicken shit and chicken salad. JFK said, this is obviously a fuck up. Harry Truman, give him hell. That's not a, that's not a curse. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna have to make sure this podcast is rated E for explicit. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, also we, we should touch on like like the debate performances, if you want to call it that. Like, 
what would you guys think watching the first debate air quotes? Yeah. I mean, it really jumps out to me, especially this election is how much it just seems like it's nobody's putting forward, you know, this is why you should vote for me. It's more so like why you shouldn't vote for the other guy. Hmm. And I feel like that debate, like especially captured that. Right. I mean, it was just them like going at each other's throats. Um, there wasn't any, you know, it wasn't really a debate about, okay, here's why you should support my position. It was, you know, pretty much a debate in the sense of like, you shouldn't support this guy's position. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, there was like a universal consensus, like that was an embarrassment and just like the inability to have a civil dialogue around issues. Like you look at the Harris Pence debate. I mean, you know, barbs were, exchange and shots were fired but it was more along like the decorum of what we should expect from presidential debates i mean trump just bulldozed through like every single norm and then you know biden's just trying to get in edgewise it was just a mess but yeah i think it to ian's point just like underscores like oh these are the two competing like more for trump less for biden because biden had less room to move but like this is the guy that you know he's never going to change regardless of the stage so do you want more of this for four years where things continue to get coarsened and like norms continue to get shattered i mean that's then you saw that in full display like a couple weeks ago so i mean um, i know adam when was the last time you logged onto twitter uh well i i actually like view twitter i i help manage my own like programs uh twitter so i i do follow it now every day but i don't have my own granted um what do you boys think about this hairstyle <laughs> they look like uh, joey triviani wait you know really like, yeah like flock of seagulls that's a huge um that's a huge wait i'm gonna i'm gonna see if i could turn your video i gotta ask you permission <laughs> said later later no i'm just like I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm just I'm just like like playing with I'm just messing up my hair for a sec but no I mean it's it, oh now, now we're back to video but to your points about the, the debate so I'm on Twitter as, as you both know as the listeners know and I like to live tweet things when they happen it makes me feel like I'm part of the action and it was so like infuriating watching that debate in live tweeting because Trump was like literally a top he was a four-year-old throwing a temper tantrum like anytime yeah. like there was no, I think Anderson Cooper and Jake Tapper did such a phenomenal job summarizing it after the fact. This was not both sides. This was, because li- I don't like the whole like, oh, you know, Biden, this and that. No, it was Trump throwing a tantrum and the moderator doing a terribly incompetent job reeling him in. Trump. Ever- I mean, you have to give Chris Walt, like, it's very hard to manage that situation without like literally shutting off his mic. You know, what can you do to like stop someone who's like, I don't care what you're saying. I'm just going to interject, 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 interject. It's just like, imagine being there was someone on twitter that said that their six-year-old six-year-old sixth grade daughter like ran out of the room crying because she couldn't understand why the president wouldn't let the guy speak like imagine being a kid and watching this guy i mean you said bulldoze it was just he like literally he did not let biden speak i i read there were 145 interruptions but by trump 105 wow. um it's, it's, I mean, it's, 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 and as an American, it's a sad day when like, you know, tens of millions of people watch this to, to understand who to vote for. And what you get is this like d- disgraceful display. I mean, at one point, th- I mean, th- there's so much at one point, Trump 
made a comment about Biden's son, Bo, that passed away. Yeah. And then Trump's dismissively, oh, I meant the other son, the one with the drug addiction. Like, are you serious? This guy doesn't have a shred of human decency. Um, and then the whole thing with not disavowing the, the Proud Boy movement. I mean, yeah. it's just, I, I feel like, like you guys are more desensitized to it kind of like what Ian said, like nothing surprises me anymore, but I still get very angry as you can see, just like watching this and getting exposed to it. Mm. Oh, are you combing your hair aggressively right now? Thinking about on your uh, hair. <laughs> but no, I mean, and, and you mentioned the VP debate being better. I don't know, man. I don't like, I guess, I guess there was more discussion, but that was pretty bad too. Like, um, like Pence has a, a, an uncanny ability to just equivocate and not answer the question. I tweeted, I think I might've sent this to you, Ian, but I tweeted that he was asked a question about um, the administration's uh, decision not to um, uh, institute masks. And he started talking about, oh, oh yeah, this is what he said. He said, I just want to say President Trump and the first lady are so grateful for the outpourings of support and, and well wishes. And he did that for two minutes and didn't answer the question. Well, he's a, yeah, he's a career politician. Like, I mean, that's where you just see the the, the difference between you know how Pence presents himself versus Trump, like he actually knows you know how to be a public figure. I feel like to have that kind of decorum, um, but still, you no, know, I agree a hundred percent. Like lots of lots of dodging of questions. Um, yeah, overall, I mean, it was kind of the same message. It was just kind of like a very much more subdued and tried to be more articulate about it but and the interruptions you know, again as yeah. i interrupt you <laughs> no but the interruptions again it's like like let and then you know i thought uh senator harris did a really good job like just telling him i'm speaking but like can you imagine like the disrespect adam i'm just looking at you you look heated right now yeah i mean it's well that look i mean i i say that like it's all frame of reference like you know the vp debate at least there was discussion which is a very low bar to clear but in terms of like yeah I, and this is a discussion too like pence also had kind of free room to deflect like push his talking points and then uh i do think they had equal speaking time about but it felt like pence commanded the room more than uh kamala did only because like uh he just had more room to work and just you know kind of assumed the dominant position which uh, you know, either way, I think it was a draw. I don't think one candidate really helped their case more than the other, but um, I don't know. I mean, look, the presidential debate obviously like engendered a lot of fury and frustration. I don't know, maybe to your point, I'm just like more inured to it after like months and years of like the eroding of our political norms. I don't know, but uh, yeah, just you hope, like if we can get to January in a calm peaceful way without like the world crumbling then yeah i see some bright times ahead hopefully mm. adam when did you meet senator harris what about this when did i meet senator harris what? yeah i never met senator harris oh you you referred to by kamala i assumed you guys were close friends <laughs> <laughs> sorry i should i should use the no, no i don't i mean I don't, I don't care i'm just i'm just yanking your chain and what'd you say oh no i was just pulling up um this map 270 to win and you know I guess this would be going back to the the previous question. You know, it would make twenty twenty. You know, even that much more insane is a is a two sixty nine two sixty nine split. Oh my god! Oh man! Oh yeah, I read and that, this... and then it was like those two congressional districts would then have like 
huge sway, the one like Maine two and Nebraska two. Yeah, yeah, and the brain two, yeah, Maine two and Nebraska two. I Wait, I'm not familiar two. with this. Why would those two have sway? Because if it's two sixty nine to yeah, they each have one electoral vote because they assign an electoral vote by congressional district. So like if I think if the if I remember the math correctly, like if Biden got you know picked up Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, yeah, and then I'm not sure if Florida would have to be. Yeah, I have it up right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, there's I a certain so, so trip. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Ian. You have the map. I was going to say, if Trump gets Florida, or keeps Florida, keeps Pennsylvania, um, but loses Arizona, hmm. and then Biden gains Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, and then, but still keeps, like, again, like it, has to, it depends on, you know, how the split district voting is for Maine and for Nebraska. But if those both go the way of Trump, then it ends up being 269, 269. Mm. And then I'm not sure, is then, does the Senate decide or? I think uh, then you, they would go to the House. Go to the House and every state has one vote. Go to the House. Oh, yeah. every state has one vote. Oh, so that's why there's like Republicans have 26 state delegations. And I think- right. uh, oh, it's yeah. how uh, Jefferson got elected in the election, election of 1800. Every state went to uh, every state got one vote, and it was um. Well, you guys saw Hamilton, so you know, you know, <laughs> Jefferson or Burr. Uh, so what the hell was I just gonna say about this? Um, we were talking about the debate. There was a fly on Pence's head, obviously, and then Biden had this the fly swatter in the next visual, which was like literally in the next like five minutes. There was like a fly swatter product. <laughs> But why, but why don't the moderators cut off the mics? I mean, it's just like, to your point about Chris Wallace, you feel bad for the moderator because, I mean, all right, let's, let's role play again. Ian, um, Adam, you're the timekeeper. Or you know what? Yeah, Adam, you're the timekeeper. And I'm, I'm Pence going over my time. Go ahead. And I think that President Trump and- It's like Vice President Pence, your time is up. The First Lady will acknowledge everything that has been- Your time is up, Mr. Vice President. Your time is up. Did not have the opportunity to really go through in detail her plans and, you know, just goes on and on and on and on and on. And there's like nothing you could do. I've been the the bias. There'd be, you know, there'd be uproar over, you know, certain bias of using it, right? They'd be like, oh, you use, you cut them off, you know. Yeah, Trump just uses that. Oh, they want to, you know, shut me up. No, dude, you guys, you guys are forgetting. What if we just had a clock? Imagine, visualize the moderator sitting at at the usual spot. The candidates are on the stage on two sides and you had a huge clock, like the scoreboard at, at an NBA game. And as soon as the time was ended, every candidate was allotted a five-second grace period. And it went one, two, three, four, five, and then would be automatically cut off. It wouldn't even be Then they claimed certain questions posed towards them, you know, required more of a response and they weren't able to fully. It's, I, I feel like it, it caused – the only reason, like, why we're discussing it now is because of the first debate, like – in you know past debates there's never been that question i feel like where it's been like oh you know they need to cut off the mics after the, you know a certain amount of time mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i mean that's just like the best i can come up come up with i'm not a lawmaker but like if that's the best i come up with in five seconds i feel like people can do better on this commission of presidential debates and then you have the idea that trump gets diagnosed with covid and then he like forfeits the next debate which was supposed to be held tomorrow right october 15. Yeah, now they have competing town halls. Competing instead. town halls on NBC. So it wasn't competing town halls initially. It was just Biden had a town hall event because Trump yeah. forfeited the debate. And NBC says we're going to air Trump's town hall at the same time. I mean, Adam, you're close to the journalism world. That seems a little dicey in the ethics, you know. 
Uh, well, I think, well, yeah, I, I would need to brush up more than the specifics, but my sense is that ABC had like kind of monopolized the primetime window. I guess NBC could have done it a different day, but uh, maybe Trump had already committed to Thursday. So, and then they only had so many windows to choose from. So it ended up being competing quote unquote, but I don't know. I mean, it's basically like, think of it as a split screen. I mean, that's what other networks are going to do. You know, they'll like pivot to the Trump town hall and then the Biden town hall. And it's like the first debate didn't accomplish much anyway. So, you know, the second, like these town hall forums, like you might have some really good audience questions, but they're not going to yield that much more new information unless one was really to like put their foot in their mouth, you know, which I don't foresee happening. You sure about that? <laughs> I don't know. To the point where it like upends the race. No. Oh, oh, true. True, 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 true. Um, Ian, what do you think about that? What, them airing both or just whether there'll be actually any movement either way based on the, the next... I mean, just like in general, the role of the media um in this because like today you saw i'm sure that the new york post released an article mm. that biden i don't even understand the details but something with biden's son and, and ukraine and i think you're saying that he's gonna like introduce um somebody to to uh yeah there was like a middleman through burisma yeah. that would like hunter was going to use his position to like make a connection to biden but i i would have to read up on that more i don't know if like the posts like what their sourcing was like well apparently and do you know about this with giuliani and yeah yeah no it seems like it was i mean first acquired what by the fbi in i thought 2014 but i think giuliani and bannon released it or provided it to the post so it was reported by the new york post but then i think the washington post uh disputed it and, and said it was not an accurate report today but what's interesting about this whole story in the context of the media is, are you guys familiar with like the Streisand effect? Yeah, um, yeah. If you try to make something disappear, it just becomes larger. Exactly. Mm. So what happened today was the New York Post um, posted this article about like, oh, you know, Biden's son has these connections to Ukraine. And Facebook and Twitter censored it. And they were like, oh, this is fake news. They put that warning label on. And as a result, everyone started talking about it. Like, wow, did you hear about that story? It's not really, you know, real, whatever. And even though, like you said, Ian, counterintuitively, because they tried to suppress it, it ended up magnifying and it became like this large story. Whereas if they just, if the media had just like left it alone, maybe it wouldn't have been amplified like that so it, it's just interesting how that worked out <laughs> yeah no i mean i think that's it's um like choosing what to report on is and that's the yeah, the whole i mean i guess in general like i know that's been a huge thing that's almost kind of been lending credence to like trump's argument right he keeps on talking about how like you know facebook and twitter are censoring him and that's becoming like his kind of like rallying cry to his base um, I think you'll see that play out more, obviously, throughout once we keep on getting closer to the election. But I feel like that's just the Streisand effect, but then it's kind of like trying to harness the power of it, I guess. Mm. So at least you guys can say like, like, you know, it's not like you don't learn anything on these bonus episodes, because if you weren't familiar with the Streisand effect, um, it is interesting. And then also, I mean, you talked about Trump's um, position against like, you know, us versus the platforms. 
there's this whole Section 230 thing, which I'm taking a course on law and cyberspace this semester, so it's pretty interesting. But it's mm-hmm. like the idea that a like a social media platform like Facebook or Twitter gets to be exempt from litigation, from liability, because it's not actually modifying a post. It's just providing um, like the conduit for the information. So it's, it's not treated as a, an editor or writer. It's treated as a publisher. But then you have Facebook and Twitter marking and labeling these posts. So then it's like, why should they receive Section 230 protections if they're actually like modifying the content of the post? I think that's also going to be interesting, you know, and how it plays out um, in the next couple of months as you see like the reaction to the election. I mean, you're like, uh, I, I would need to brush up on the like law behind it a little Adam's bit like, to make like an informed uh, <laughs> section, uh, section, section 230. Adam, Adam's o, like, I, yeah. I didn't come prepared to this like, like uh, off the cuff discussion of, of the, the section law. 230. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'll defer to you on that explanation. I mean, it's, it's just because you look at 2016 and what happened with Facebook and everyone's like, oh, you know, Cambridge Analytica and you know, they fixed the election. I think no matter what happens, one side, excuse me, is going to say that, uh, that there was some intervention by Russia or by Facebook or, you know, some like entity, uh, uh, what is it called? The ones online? Oh. The, yeah. How'd you, how'd you know exactly what I was thinking? Said the one online. No, I mean, I think that's, I think you'll see, that's, I, that's a good point though. I, I guess, you know, if the election does end up in Trump's favor, I think you'll see a huge backlash um, against, you know, was my vote counted by mail? Yeah. You know, was it like, I mean, what is it they have to compare the signature against what you have on file um, and like make sure that the curves exactly match. And, you know, people do like e-signatures when they sign up for their licenses. I think there's going to be a lot of issues with that. Just, you know, confirming that vote. And I think, you know, depending to your point, depending on who wins, I feel like that's going to be like their, you know, their backing of saying that, you know, this election, you know, wasn't necessarily, you know, fair. That's true. Like, like no matter what one party, you know, especially the, the Trump camp is going to be, is going to be claims is going to be outcries. Are you, have either of you voted uh, Adam, you're registered in DC, no, or, or still. Yep. yep. I, I mailed in uh, my wait, ballot. What? Yeah. Wait, wait, I didn't get a ballot. <laughs> you didn't get a ballot. Are you registered in New York or DC? I'm registered in DC. Did you request? I mean, there was a solicitation to submit an absentee no, ballot, dude. like in August. No, no, dude. If you go to the DC website, it says that every vote, every registered voter in DC is going to automatically receive a ballot this year because of COVID. Well, I, regardless, I had indicated that back in April and voted primary remote by mail. So I just mailed in my ballot as well. I mean, you know, you could still do it in person. I know it's not ideal, but. I don't want to be disenfranchised. Ian, you voted, right? No, I'm going to vote in person. Um, I, like to previous point, I did a uh, mail-in ballot for the primary in New York, and I just didn't trust that they, they actually counted my vote. There's a whole issue with postmarking. You know, it had to have, you know, a postmark from the post office. Like, there's just, I think like there's too many things that can just go wrong mm. with mail-in voting that, you know, if you have the ability to... Um, if you're younger and good health, like I think you should try to vote in person just to make sure that your vote's being counted. And I think that's, you know, a much less disputable method. So that's so, such a wholesome message. I remember when I lived with Ian in Astoria, Queens, um, oh. 
Wait, can can you guys hear it's me? Cutting out a little bit. Clear. I can hear you now. Sorry, my internet connection. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll repeat for the benefit of the listeners <laughs> and you guys. So I was saying that uh, when I lived with Ian in Astoria, Queens, um, they whenever there would be an election, literally it'd be like the smallest position. It'd be like the the school board for like this one district, and Ian would like wake up at the crack of dawn and line up with like all the senior citizens. I thought it was adorable. <laughs> That's good. You're exercising yeah. your civic duty. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But in every election, no, big or small. So, you know, if you could go back in time to your, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Ian, what's going on? Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Now, yeah. I, when I, in 2016, if you could go back in time, you know, imagine where you were on election night, 2016, and you can, you know, sit with your, uh, Ian would have been uh, 25, Adam would have been 24, and you were to say, listen, buddy, you know, it's going to be bad. Or you to ask your, ask your 2016 version, how bad do you think it's going to be? Like, did you, did you expect when Trump was elected that this sort of calamity would ensue or has he outperformed even your like lowest expectations? I'd say like probably outperform my lowest expectations. Like you have to assume like out the office would kind of constrain and tame even someone with like no experience or like, uh, impetus to govern whatsoever, but like there haven't been any modifying effects. So like if anything, he's been reined in by like Herculean effort and reining in is like a very low bar because he's done so much. I mean, I don't think I could have comprehended like where we are four years from that moment. Like I would be in disbelief. And then the pandemic's like the cherry on top <laughs> of everything. So yeah, I mean, I think this is like a new level of like chaos that we couldn't have comprehended personally yeah and i agree i think initially you know you had he, he i feel like he surrounded himself more with you know career bureaucrats who had kind of reined him in kind of of like making these crazy tweets you know making these crazy you know firings and all this you know kind of just general mayhem that's been going on <laughs> around him um i feel like they were like kind of you know bringing him that i think what adam's point was earlier you know bringing him more in line with what's the expectation for the office. Um, but I feel like, you know, over the past year, that's kind of gone to the wayside. And do you remember, we, I think we watched the results um, together, right? In 2016. I remember, do you remember that night? Yeah, of course. I remember, of course, that's it's like special. It's like, it's like an anniversary. Of course I remember. Um, no, the way you said that. No, uh, I, remember, I remember we were on the couch and <laughs> Framing the scene here. No, whatever. I'm like, I have a. You guys know I have a good memory, and I remember. Um, I think I was like eating dinner and like in my room doing work, and you were watching it, or or not work because I I wasn't in school, but you were watching it in the living room, and I was like not interested. I was like, whatever. Like like Hillary's just gonna get elected, and then I like an an hour went by and it came out, and I'm like, what are you still doing awake? (laughs) It's like eleven o'clock, and you're like, it's getting dicey. So then I sat down next to you on the couch. The rest is history. Um, but no, I definitely, I agree with both of you guys. Like I, I guess to Ian's point, I thought that like you, like you said, surrounding himself with Reince Priebus and all these like, like people who knew better. Um, I thought that he would be a little less egregious or I, I, I mean, I knew that he would be unwilling to improve and lack empathy and all that. But, um, I guess, the fact that he's just defiled the office as much as he has, like I just said, like the F bombs and, you know, exposing the secret service to, 
you know, the COVID, some of the stuff he said, the shithole countries and the, um, all the, all the comments that he's made, it's, it's been worse than I thought. And I thought it would be pretty bad to be honest. Um, but are there any, okay. So let's say, let's say that, that you were having a conversation with a really well-educated person, Harvard degree, you know, hell, give them the Nobel prize. And they told you, Adam, Ian, I'm voting for Trump. Are there any, you know, is there any reasonable argument that someone could make to you, someone with without extreme prejudices, that Trump deserves to win the election? Can you? It's it's an honest question. I hope no one listening. Um, I mean, at this point, if you've listened to the, to this this much of us uh, <laughs> talking about this, you, you pretty much know where we stand. But I do hope. I don't know. I I, I as as little as I want you to take this personally. But like, can a reasonable person construct an argument that Trump should win this election? I mean, I wouldn't dismiss them out of hand, but it's hard to make a case for on all fronts. There have probably been declines from where we were at the point Obama left office between from economic indicators, from international, you know, affairs, foreign policy, national security, environment, like you name it. Most indicators where, you know, if you compare January 19th, 2017 to October 14, 2020, we declined. So, and then there's like the broader implications for the office of the president. So I don't know. I mean, you know, in the spirit of civic discourse, I'm not going to immediately say like you're invalid, <laughs> but it's, for my opinion, like you're kind of arguing from a disadvantage. Right. I guess like the, the two, like kind of, if you want to call them rational arguments, I can understand are like self-interest. Like if you clearly have something to gain from, deregulation um i mean i think if you you can make the argument around the economy i mean if your economy is based around you know increasing the stock market um that could be a potential argument and then i guess if you're you know extremely religious i think you can argue that you know having him in power enables you to have your you know religious views represented um, but really to me, I kind of like, when I hear both those arguments, I'm like, yes, but you know, <laughs> you really want to have those views embodied in, you know, this type of person. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. it's really like, kind of like you're almost, you know, making a, a deal with the, the devil to that extent. Right. Like you're like, you're like, oh yeah. Like, you know, because he supports my views, I'm fine with having him. So I'm just going to ignore everything else that's like. <laughs> it's happening you know that, that's just kind of if, if you have like one of those two arguments that's the impression that i just would get if you were saying that i thought though you nailed it i i think those those are two two like reasonable arguments that you could make to support a vote for trump in this election and and i i do want to say that i i have lots or not lots i have some friends and family members who are trump supporters um and I, I, in spite of everything that I've said in the last 90 minutes, I respect their opinion. Um, and as Adam said about civic discourse, I'm going to listen to what they have to say with an open mind. Um, I think that's part of the problem with the country is all this disunity and, and dive, uh, you know, uh, just divisiveness. I'm not trying to impose my belief system onto you. If you believe that Trump is the best candidate, that's totally fine. I just believe pretty strongly that he's not and that we've, you know, seeing what he can do in the last four years. And I don't really want to see what he can do in the next four in the midst of 
a pandemic. But I do want to make clear that um, if, if you do support President Trump, that's okay. And that doesn't make you a bad person and you're entitled to, to your, um, you know, to your belief. And I hope, I hope that you're not going to stop listening to the podcast because you think that I don't respect your opinion now, because that's definitely not the case. Um, what are you both, what are you both doing for election night? Do you have a, do you, do you have plans? Are you prepared for both outcomes? Um, I will probably be at home. Uh, Emily will probably be like in the newsroom till four in the morning. So I'll be, um, for, for the benefit of all the listeners here. Yeah. My girlfriend is a, uh, in journalism, political off the market boys. I think you mentioned one of your your last, that's such a flex. By the way, drop that. Yeah. (laughs) What? That's I don't know. You, I thought it was like, oh, you need to like clarify for everyone. Like we're talking about politics for ninety minutes. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, who's this? And then Adam's just like, <laughs> yeah, an election night. <laughs> My girlfriend's cooking. She's gonna be it. Um, all right. So you're. So I, I'm just gonna be at home, like nervously viewing the results. Wanna, I mean, I'm prepared. Like you know, there's kind of that sinking feeling that you had in 2016, but like 2020, I feel like you have to be prepared. Like you know, nothing can shock you necessarily, but you're just hoping for. A good enough outcome rather than like the increasing feeling of dread that you both know you know you both noted where it was like from sure thing to absolute stunner yeah i mean i'll probably just be watching here at home i i really don't think we'll find out uh yeah we're not gonna find out that night, on um, november 3rd unless no. it's a complete blowout um either way but i mean i think given the mail-in the mail-in ballot situation um, I know like certain states, it takes a week for them to process everything. Um, and then I'm sure there'll be a lot of, if it's a close result, I'm sure there'll be a lot of, um, contesting of, you know, is everything actually counted? So I really think like the earliest we'll probably find out is, you know, maybe by that weekend, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes, you know, a couple of weeks into November. Can you imagine if like Trump loses and then he just goes on Twitter and he's just like, shit, like you just, see that. <laughs> he just tweets like, like just profanities. Um, I mean, that's probably what's going to, if, if that happens, I wouldn't, that's hundred percent what's going to happen. If like, if that's the scenario that plays out. What are you guys going to do? Or, or are you concerned like with what will happen if, you know, Trump gets reelected? I mean, like what will, I, I mean, you guys are, are okay, but like, I'm worried about, you know, the mental health of a lot of people who might struggle with that if, if it does happen on the, you know, as unlikely as it might be. And I think it'll be interesting though, because I wouldn't be surprised if you, either way, if, um, you know, for example, there could be a scenario where, you know, Trump wins the presidency, um, if you're Biden supporter, Democrat supporter, you know, Democrats take the Senate. That'd be a very rare situation, I guess. I think there's just so many other things at play. It's like, I feel like at this point we, um, you know, we're kind of focusing so much on the presidency that you kind of have to not just look at, you know, nationally, all right, you know, what's the makeup of the the two houses, but then also like focus on your local elections. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the things that I've kind of taken away from this entire time is, you know, like focus on like things you almost have more control over. Um, and that's your community and, you know, making sure, like, I know you're making fun of, not making fun of me, poking fun of me <laughs> for me going to vote for these like extremely minor elections. But in reality, like those people are probably more likely to make decisions that shape your daily life than, you know, certain 
national politicians are. I mean, obviously the president is <laughs> it's a little bit different, but I think it's just that's something to take away for anybody who's, who's worrying about it. Like make sure, you know, that you just continue to be involved. I mean, it's hard to, that's like a good closing, <laughs> closing message. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely well known, like well held tenants that like, you know, you can do a lot more at the local level than you can do at the federal level. So yeah, to emphasize like, you know, if there was that outcome where you have another term of Trump, like if you were able to continue gains in the state houses, I mean, I think like Democrats have managed to like double the number of state houses that they lead at this point. If you're able to flip the Senate potentially, you know, you build in those checks uh, in other ways, both at the federal level and then like, you know, can do work to transform your communities. And then if you have that, it's like a patchwork makes for a more vibrant whole. Uh, So yeah, I mean, it would, you know, I think based on the tenor of our conversations, no secret, like, it's probably hope for one outcome over another, but, you know, life will press on if uh, we do have a second term of Trump. Imagine if, like, spoiler alert, but all of us <laughs> are voting. I mean, It's I'm like surprise, bro. Like, surprise. I'm, <laughs> this yeah. is all, like, fodder and propaganda. <laughs> the only thing paid, paid actors. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, go on. Go. I want you guys to see you go on Craigslist. It's like it pays good money. Um, <laughs> actor. It so was, how does the campaign write that off? Is it Craigslist like volunteers actors to protest? Um, actually, no. This was something else. But no, you go online and uh, seek minority actors for Trump rally uh, on Craigslist. But and to your you know point about the local elections, what about the Supreme Court? I mean, we we haven't touched on that, and we and for the sake of time, we won't. But like. It's, you think about decisions that on a 6-3, assuming ACB gets confirmed, a 6-3 Republican court, I mean, might wreak havoc on things like healthcare and, um, you know, gay rights and uh, women's, uh, you know, contraception and, and right to abortion. But uh, I don't know. That's that's pretty bleak. Um, all right. Before I let you go, something that I've done with guests on bonus episodes recently um, is we'll do the lightning round getting to know you questions. So I'm going to give you okay. about 15 questions in 60 seconds. I got to get my stopwatch. Answer, you're going to answer these as quickly as you can. The first thing that comes to mind, okay. um, and this will give the, the listeners a good good idea of, of who we're working with here. So first, uh, we'll go, who wants to go first? I guess I'll go. <laughs> Adam is, is eager. All right, ready? Okay. Set and go. Favorite childhood TV show? Uh, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Um, I don't know. Sweet Life is Zack and Cody. Cake or pie? Uh, cake. What's the best age? 18. Name one of the seven dwarfs. Sleepy. <laughs> what's, the, what's the fastest speed you've ever driven in a car? Uh, I don't know. 75, 80. What a loser. Paper or plastic? <laughs> what, what, what did you say? Paper or plastic? Um, paper. Favorite type of muffin? Uh, blueberry. Have you ever tasted soap? No. What's the maximum number of spritzes of perfume before it's too much? Uh, three. Name a word that starts with the letter Q. Uh, QAnon. <laughs> how, how long can you hold your breath for? Uh, I don't know, a minute. When people stand up for a standing <laughs> are you one of the first people standing or the last? <laughs> last. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, what type of milk do you put in your cereal? Whole. Oh, and- no, no milk in cereal. No one cares. Our dogs. <laughs> I thought you were going to say coffee. Our dogs people. Our dogs people? No. 
All right. Awesome. So, so that was a few seconds over, but nicely done, my friend. Um, <laughs> all right. Adam has set the bar in your time to shine. Are you ready? By the way, yeah. Adam, one of the last people to stand for standing ovation. I, I feel I could see you getting up. <laughs> Adam's one of those people. If you're on a plane, the plane lands. Adam's like, Woo! <laughs> I'm like a face in the crowd. I'm not a you guys hate when you go to a movie and it's like pretty good, it's really great, <laughs> and then people start standing up and clapping with tears in their eyes. I've only rarely seen movie. like people clap after a movie. Adam, I, I mean, I've been to movies with both of you guys recently. Like, like Ian, we went to Star Wars. I'm pretty sure people stood up and clapped. And like, that was not a <laughs> Which good, one? The the last one, the, the Rise of Skywalker. Oh right, oh yeah. People, uh, I don't think so. I feel like everyone kind of just like slowly we, got out of the room. We last saw Joker. I don't think anyone was clapping after that. Freak the fuck out. All right, Ian, <laughs> ready. 60 right. seconds on the clock. So Adam, Adam, you know, could have been a little quicker, but it's all right. They were good questions. And go. Have you ever been to Africa? No. Would you eat a day-old taquito from 7-Eleven? <laughs> yes. What's the most number of hours you watch TV in a single day? Nine. Do you Instagram your food? Uh, no. Do you have any friends taller than 6'4"? Yes. If there's a spider in your house, do you kill it or set it free? Set it free. Say something cool. Cool. Would you go to a movie alone? Yes. For a journal, paper or computer? Computer. Most embarrassing store you might be seen shopping at? Embarrassing store? It's a tough one. What? I'm trying to think. Come on, come on. All right. What's the lamest dessert that people try to pass off as dessert? Let's go. Let's try to pass off as dessert? I don't know. Um... All right, pass. Black oh, beans or refried beans uh, in, in your burrito? Black beans. Um, have you ever stolen anything? Mm, yes. And lastly, what temperature do you like your thermostat at? Uh, 68. I think mine's a... It would make... Really? I mean, you guys lived together for a while, so I assume you aligned... That's just the mandatory that, <laughs> <laughs> that to keep it at. Number one, Weirdest... our landlord covered it up. So we could... <laughs> no, but that's a strange question. The weirdest... I'm going to turn that back onto you. What's the weirdest store you'd be, you'd be seen shopping at? Uh, That's a tough one. No, no. It's most embarrassing. Most embarrassing. Most embarrassing. Uh, yeah. I mean, embarrassment would probably be something that's like a woman's store. Um, I just think Victoria's Secret because there's no clothes for men there. So it's like, but I could just say I'm buying it for my sister. You have to amend yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I just said like buying it for You might be seen buying something for yourself at. Then it's like. I don't know. That's a tough one. And then the other one was, what's the lamest dessert that people try to pass off as dessert? I mean, you could have just said like, uh, uh, I mean, I eat cereal for dessert. Yeah. I have like carrots and like peanut butter. Did you say something about Adam about no milk in your cereal? I kind of brushed it off. Yeah. I don't put milk in my cereal. That's weird, dude. (laughs) Like you should actually get that checked out. Like go to the doctor. Why? Uh, I mean, I get the cereal's flavored enough. It, doesn't it takes forever to eat then. It's not like super dry. Like, I, have, I definitely do it if I don't have milk, but like it's just seems I don't like know. a. I, I like the, I mean, I like it, you know, then you pace it. It doesn't like go down super quickly. I don't, I don't know. It's like a personal thing, I guess. That's it's weird, man. Um, well, I'm lactose intolerant. So I have this special, uh, you'll, I mean, you guys both, you know, <laughs> I have this special uh, milk, lactate milk. Ian, you're a thief. Do you want to tell me off the air? <laughs> what's going on i don't know i've definitely like stolen like somebody's pen or something like that okay okay oh i, I thought i was thinking like shoplifting or something no i don't think i've shoplifted anything i'm trying to think if i have like yeah i've probably stolen a pen when oh, i was dude, like i've definitely accidentally shoplifted in the sense of like 
you you know you you like they like forget to scan like you go to the supermarket you spend like two hundred dollars and they forget to scan one of the bananas it's like well, oh know, yeah I don't know is that back. stealing I guess technically that's stealing yeah I've done that before like, um, I've gone back and like shown the receipt and been like oh you didn't charge me for this yeah you're gonna like go like the honor system but yeah no those were those were fun you guys did a decent job uh, anyway but yeah thanks uh, you know you guys for for coming on here I had a blast yeah yeah same thanks for having me. it's good to be back. Yep. Um, so yeah, this has been another episode of nervous habits, bonus content, keep it locked to the pod for, you know, new episodes and all that. And no matter what happens on election day, let's come together. Let's be friends. Let's eat our cereal without milk. Thanks guys. Stay Quotable nervous. Line. All right. Stay nervous. Ooh, you can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> nervous habits, bonus content.